Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We lost an iconic figure today. The announcement that uh, the iconic Jim Brown died at the age of 87. Arguably the greatest running back to ever play in the National Football League. Social rights activist, actor, uh, respected by all that came across the great Jim Brown. I was blessed to have watched Jim Brown play at Yankee Stadium as a five-year-old. And I don't remember a lot about the game. What I do remember was my father telling my brother and I on the way to church, we were in the car. We lived out on Long Island. It took about 50 to 60 minutes to get to the city where our church was. And I remember my dad telling us that we were going to be watching one of the greatest athletes ever. I do remember that. I remember it being cold, and I remember the Giants getting blown out. That's what I remember the most. But I don't remember a lot uh, about watching the great Jim Brown carry the football, but I'm blessed to say that I watched him play in person and followed his career. And many of you didn't get a chance to watch Jim Brown. Many of you know of Jim Brown just from the history books. But most people that were in that era that watched the NFL before Jim Brown and after Jim Brown will tell you that he was the greatest running back ever play you know he averaged 104 yards a game and do you know that he never missed a game now think about that for a minute jim brown running back cleveland browns never missed a game think about that for a minute running back in the national football league never missed a game and i look back at how blessed I was to have watched him in person. Although, again, I don't really remember a lot of it. I was five years old. But that era of football, and I watched so many great, great players back then in person. Uh, just, I mean, Jim Brown, the legend. There's nothing else you can say. Full life, 87. Uh, rest in peace. Number 32, rest in peace. Jim Brown. He's also an All-American lacrosse player at Syracuse as a midfielder back in the 50s. One of the, one of the all-time greats. And it's interesting that I do remember my father <laughs> telling my brother and I in the car that we're, we're going to watch one of the greatest of all time this afternoon. That I do remember. All right, we've got... NBA, game two, in about 30 minutes. Boston with a pretty big game after losing game one at home. Uh, last night, the Nuggets beat the Lakers. They're up to love tonight. You've got game one, Vegas and Dallas. And last night, you had an iconic, just an iconic, incredible hockey game between Carolina and Florida that almost, 
almost went to a fifth overtime, seconds left in the fourth overtime, and Florida won it. That's more than a double header of hockey. Think about that for a minute. All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls. And why don't we start with Jeff? Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Grant, how are you? Okay, Jeff, good to hear from you, buddy. How are you? Oh, hanging in there, hanging in there. We're up here at the ranch. It's getting warmer now, so good. No, no snow. But uh, anyways, yeah, that's a big loss, Jim Brown. I mean, they don't make them like that anymore. I mean, No, they don't. No, they do not. I'm telling you. The, you know, I always think, like, we've talked about this before, a star like that, what the kind of contract they would make now. And uh, Oh, my gosh. I was watching uh, something the other day on ESPN. They were talking about even Yogi Berra. He would, they, they said they can't even figure out what he could even make it nowadays, you know. But yeah. the, these guys. But uh, any rate, any rate, back to basketball. What, how can you explain the Miami Heat success with these undrafted players out there? They got one, one, one all-star, premier all-star, or a superstar, I would say, Jimmy yep. Butler. Yep. And then you circle them with these undrafted guys. And uh, how, is it just the coaching or the culture? It's or- the whole culture of the Miami Heat. It's the whole culture and coaching and everything. It's the culture from when you walk in that building uh, how Eric Spolstra coaches you and everything else. It's a, it's a real phenomenon. I mean, it really is. It's incredible what they do in Miami. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's unexplainable. You, on paper, you'd say, oh, this is a blot. There's no way these guys could even, even you know, hang in there, you know, and yep. especially watching the Kings all year, watching their matchups, talking about matchups. And then you got the Miami Heat that's just, you can't explain what they do. It's unbelievable. I mean, you're right. You can't explain it. That's exactly right. You really can't explain it. I mean, they lose Tyler Hero at the beginning of the playoffs, and you think, okay, they're done. Right. And look, look at how – I mean, it's it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. Right. And if they go further, he might – they say they might be able to come back to the finals, but who knows? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know why you'd try to, you know, no. goof everything up. But yeah. Anyway – all right. Well, thank you, Grant. Nice to hear you, boy. Thank you, Jeff. And, have, uh, have a good weekend, buddy. I uh, one thing I want to shout out to Connor. I did w- watch his uh, Edmonton Oilers against the Las Vegas and those Las Vegas guys. Oh my God, you know. But yeah. I watched the game and I did enjoy it. You know, I I do, do try to watch hockey now and again, and I did watch that game. There was like three goals in the first minute and a half or something. Yep. Crazy yep. game to watch, but. Uh, Shout out to Connor and uh, for for the his team. Thank you, buddy. All right, bye bye. Well, his his team lost. My team won. Let's just make sure we have an understanding there. Speaking of Connor, he's on with us right now. Hey, Connor, how are you? Good, but you had to remind me of the Oilers demise. Again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to start by saying rest in peace to Jim Brown. What a feat that is that he never missed a game. That's pretty incredible. Yep, never missed a game. I mean, it's it's it is absolutely unbelievable. Yes, it is. Yeah, and that that four overtime game. I think it was one of the longest NHL games of all time. And I heard that yes. neither teams practiced today, and obviously you can understand why. But right, I mean, with how like violent and physical of a sport hockey is, it's just incredible that like how do the players even last that long? 
Um, mental fortitude. They are obviously incredibly well conditioned, and it, it is remarkable. You know what never is discussed? Think about the four officials on the ice, the two referees and the two linesmen. They don't get a chance to go off the ice every 45 seconds and sit. Think about what they had to endure. Think about that for a minute. Can you imagine being a referee or a linesman in that game, being on the ice for basically over two games? That to me is pretty remarkable as well. But the, the, the fierceness, the physicality, everything that goes along with playing in the National Hockey League, for those players to play that long, more than two games in that type of intensity with what's on the line. I mean, as hard as that is, can you imagine how hard that was for Carolina? You know, to now they have to regroup after playing until almost two in the morning and losing that game. I mean, think about how devastating a game like that is for the team that loses. Yeah, what a gut punch that must have been, especially at home. And it was such a back and forth game, a lot of shots that hit the post and an yep. overturned goal in overtime and stuff. So I, mean, I couldn't even imagine how you have to regroup and kind of just forget about it. But obviously I'm assuming game two, I don't know if it's tomorrow, but I'm sure there's going to be yep. some fatigue spilling over into the beginning of that game. I don't think there's any question about that. I think 100% there has to be. Yeah, and then switching to the NBA – the Nuggets going up 2-0. How about Jamal Murray again? 37 points, and he's been the X factor. Yeah, well, you called it. You know, at the beginning of the series, you thought he would be the guy that is the X factor, and through games one and two, he has been. Now, it's pretty simple for Denver. I mean, they got to get a split in L.A., and if they do, uh, they're probably going to win this series in five. If not, the series is probably going seven. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw, but if you did, what do you think about Michael Malone's comment about the whole narrative of, everyone focusing on the Lakers and stuff when they're up 2-0. He's spot on. He's 100% correct. He's 100% correct. And I know Michael Malone very well. And I will tell you that he's using that as a uh, real galvanizing force in his locker room. I know Michael. I know how he preaches. I know how he coaches. I know how he talks to his team. And I guarantee you that he is uh, jamming that down his players' throats. Yeah, and the Lakers, they're in deep trouble right now, obviously. And they need to win both at home. But Yep. A stat that I saw is that LeBron is in his last 19 threes he's taken in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. He hasn't hit a single one. That's just, I mean, that's pretty yep. just insane. I, I, I did a rant on this today uh, about at some point, don't you try a different strategy if you're LeBron James? I mean, you're able to get to the basket anytime you want, or is he just worn down right now in the fourth quarters and he's content with taking what the defense gives him because the defense is allowing him to shoot the ball. They're very well aware of that too. And so they're playing off him and they're going to shoot the ball and he's shooting the ball and he's missing it. Yeah. And then at the other series, obviously tonight's a must win for Boston and I'm expecting Jason Tatum to have a marquee game. He has to probably score around 40 points if they want to win, but you need Jalen Brown and the other guys to step up because if, if, could you imagine if Jimmy Butler wills the heat to a victory tonight? No, I can't. I, I'd be sh- sh- almost shocked if Boston loses this game tonight. I really would. I, I would be between very surprised and shocked if Boston loses at home tonight. I, I just can't see it happening. 
And a couple of the things, since the NBA is kind of winding down, it's starting to get to that time of year where it's just baseball and nothing else. But the only thing I saw about baseball, how about Aaron Judge with seven homers in the last seven games? He's looking more and more like his self from last year. Yeah, he's seen the ball very well. There's no doubt about that. And then one more thing, I think a couple of days ago this was when there was an announcement that San Diego would be getting an MLS team. And it just, every time I see a different city get an MLS team, it just pisses me off because. Did you see what the fee was? was? No. Did you see what it was? $500 million was the expansion fee. Do you know when Sacramento was first getting involved in the MLS? I believe it was $75 million. Then went up to 150. Basically, what just happened in San Diego is, I believe, and again, I'm saying this just without speaking to anyone. They pretty much just outpriced Sacramento from the MLS market, in my opinion. Yeah, it's just terrible. I know some people, I think it was yesterday, asked about maybe the Senators or whatever moving to Sacramento, but... I think me and you basically accompany for like half the hockey fans in Sacramento area. So I don't think that would even, yeah, the, no the, the, the hockey, the hockey, the hockey is not coming to Sacramento. Again, golden one is not suited for hockey. It's not built for hockey. So it's not a good hockey building. That's number one. Number two. Okay. There's many other cities that are ahead of Sacramento for hockey. Sacramento's not even on the hockey radar. It's not happening. Not happening. The National Hockey League is not coming to Sacramento. Major League Baseball is not coming to Sacramento. I don't know how many times I need to tell people that. It's not going to happen. So for those that think, now, do you still have a chance to get an MLS team? Yeah. I mean, I know Kevin Nagel very well, and I don't want to speak for Kevin, who, by the way, just bought a uh, soccer club over in England. Kevin would love, would absolutely love to get an MLS team in Sacramento, but he just saw what the price tag was in San Diego at 500 million. And I can tell you that Kevin would need big time, big time pockets of investors to step up and get that job done. And that's a rather risky proposition at 500 million, which by the way, when it got to Sacramento would probably be more than that. I personally, this is just my opinion. I'm not a soccer fan. This is just me personally. I think the MLS is outpricing themselves. Now, I get I get the fact that if you're an owner, you'd lo- you love the fact that San Diego has to pay $500 million because that's money for you. But I think the MLS is getting too big for its britches. In other words, I don't think the MLS is that popular, and yet what they're charging, I just the supply and demand to me. I, 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 you can help me out with this. Most of the people that I know that are soccer fans in the United States don't watch the MLS. They watch their premier league. They watch all the leagues over in Europe. They, they get up it's Sunday morning at, you know, six o'clock to watch their favorite teams play. I don't know of anyone. And again, I'm talking about my friends that are sports fans that watch the MLS. No one, but I know all of my friends and I really mean this. They get up and watch their premier league, but they don't watch the MLS. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm spot on with them. I mean, my favorite teams from the Premier League, I've never in my entire life sat down and watched a full MLS game, but I've been to probably a dozen Sac Republic games. So obviously, if they had a team there, I would become a fan of them. But in the MLS, they're just – obviously, if you get a team in the MLS, it would be 
probably worth watching and stuff, but it's nowhere near the Absolutely. level of European cities. I used to tell Kevin Nagel this all the time. You know, when the when the first uh, rendition of the stadium at the rail yards came out at 22,000, I said, Kevin, it's not big enough. He goes, we'll be able to expand it. I go, why? I go, you're going to have a minimum of 30,000 at every match. And I'm not a soccer fan, but I know how the soccer rich, crazy fans are in the Sacramento area. I really believe that. I believe that the MLS came to Sacramento, a lock, a absolutely stone cold lock would be a minimum of 30,000 fans at every game as far as long as the facility could hold 30,000 people. What do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. And that's just, that's why it just hurts even more to see more and more cities get teams outside of Sacramento and the price keeps going up. But just to go back to how close they were to having a well, team and now it's looking like a thing of the past. Ron Burkle, Ron Burkle left Sacramento standing at the altar. Okay. The owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who has an absolute history of doing this with many of his business deals. So if you ask anybody in the world of business, about Ron Burkle, that's what they'll tell you. You know, you never have a deal with Ron Burkle until you have a deal because he backs out at the last minute all the time. That's his MO. And he left Sacramento standing naked at the altar. That's what he did. He, he had Sacramento right up to the finish line, and then he backed out of his deal. That's why Sacramento does not have the MLS. So if you ever want to blame anyone of why Sacramento does not have an MLS team, just look at Ron Burkle. That's why. Yeah, and that's a terrible business decision from Ron Burkle because, I mean, the market here and everything, I mean, he would have been making a lot more money if he did go through with the deal. No question about it. That's all I got today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, let's move along, and let's get to uh, Patrick. Patrick, how are you? How are you doing, Grant? Good, Patrick. Um, I just wanted to go back to Jim Brown again for a second. Uh, first of all, yeah. uh, rest in peace, Jim Brown. He, he was a terrific player. I never, never got a chance to see him or experience him. But, um, you know, my father, too, used to tell me all sorts of stories about him. And um, I just wanted to say quick that he's also, uh, Jim Brown, he's also in the uh, National Lacrosse Hall of Fame, I believe. Yes, he is. And he, uh, he went to Manhasset High School in Long Island. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Absolutely. Yeah, he used to have all sorts of stories about him. And um, do you um, did you have a story once about Jim Brown about how he um, um, ended up uh, going to the Dirty Dozen and he uh, the Cleveland Browns gave him trouble when he wanted to? Yeah, I, I recall something that. about that. I do recall something about. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, recollect and recite the story now, but I do yeah. remember. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, think he had a story he, about that once, you know. I mean, you know. He was an incredibly well-rounded individual. I mean, he he was he was just one of the rare individuals that excelled at pretty much everything he did and he was so well respected, you know, as a, a social rights activist and everything that he did for, you know, that area and for black people and even all races. You know, Jim Brown wasn't just about black people. Jim Brown was for all races. You know, Jim yeah. was a, a social rights activist, but he was an activist for all people, not just black people. And I just, for that man in that era to accomplish what he did uh, in his life is remarkable. Uh, he was a terrific actor too. I have to say I did love him in the. Yes, he was. That's right. Yes. Yes, he was. 
Yep. All right. Well, yes, well have a good night. I'm sorry for the loss for the sports world for Jim Brown. For yeah, thank sure. you, buddy. Appreciate it. It's a loss for society is what it is. All right. Let's move along and uh, get to uh, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, how are you? Hey, Grant, how are you, sir? Thank you for taking my I'm call. Good. Happy Friday for you. Same to you. Hey, Grant, got a couple things for you. Um, now, when did the NBA home court uh, started being a disadvantage? Do you think anything has to do with social media? Everybody's on their freaking tablets, on their iPhones and all that shit? Well, first of all, it's not a disadvantage. Okay, it's not as big of an advantage as it used to be, but it's not a disadvantage. Teams still win the majority of the games at home compared to on the road. So we need to be careful with how we characterize that. It's not a disadvantage. Playing at home is still an advantage in the NBA, and it's an advantage by a uh, fairly significant percentage. Now, you may not make that claim for the Boston Celtics, but that's an aberration. Yeah, but Grant, but I mean, those guys, speaking of the Celtics, you know, what the hell? Why can't they win on their home court? Uh, I'm seriously. I don't know. But in their case, you know, you also have to understand they're playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, there's no rule that says you have to win on your home court. You have to win four games to advance to the next round. And they've done that twice so far. So, you know, we we need to, you know, put the brakes on. It's not like they've lost the series because they lost game one. Yeah, Grant, I know that, Grant. But uh, you would think that the Miami Heat, the number eight seed, Boston, the number one seed, uh, you would think that they would breeze by this series. I mean, I understand Miami has the they have the experience. They got the coach, but I mean, you know what? I mean, you know, the Celtics always put themselves in this part. And Grant, trust me, I'm a Kings fan, so you know, I'm just, I'm just speaking. I mean, I mean, I don't understand what the problem is that that you can't close out the games that you have at home and that you want to stretch the series out more than you have to. Well, first of all, Jerry, you know, I, I don't think you're giving Miami enough credit. First of all, Boston's a two seed. They beat the number one seed, Milwaukee, okay? okay? And then they, you know, took advantage and was a, were, were able to win round two. And here they are in round three. Right. You know, let's, let's acknowledge that they're playing at a very good level of basketball with, yes, with a player in Jimmy Butler that has been the MVP of the playoffs so far through two rounds. So, you know, we need to acknowledge that. Let's give them a little credit too, Jerry. Grant, can you see the Miami Heat winning the championship this year? Yeah, with Jimmy Butler playing the way he is, why right. not? Okay. All right, Grant, and uh, and a couple more things, Grant. You know what? I heard that the NBA is thinking about fixing the All-Star game, going back to the East versus the West. No more uh, Team LeBron, no more Team Giannis. I mean, you know, what, what do you goodness. think about that? They should. Uh, it's just... The, the gimmicks in the NBA are ridiculous. Enough with the gimmicks. You know, have the East play the West and stop with all the nonsense and the made-for-TV draft and all of that crap. And then, you know, they had to change the format even this year so that the player that was chosen last was not offended. Well, somebody always has to be taken last, even if you're an all-star. You know, it's ridiculous. No, I'm, Jerry, you know, like, can we stop with the nonsense already? You know, right. have, have a team in the East, a team in the West, okay, and let's move on. All right. Uh, why is this so difficult? I, I, the NBA, seriously, you, you have to now change the way the draft order goes because you don't want the player that's taken last to, you know, feel, I don't know. I don't know how the hell you would feel to me. If I'm an all-star, right. I don't really give a damn if I'm taken last or not. And Grant, let me ask you, uh, do you know why the NBA changed the format before when it was East to West and now team, uh, you know, team this, 
team that. Why did they change yeah, that, man? Because the ratings? Gimmicks. Gimmicks. Well, the, the ratings can't be any worse than they were last year, and that's why they're changing it again. Okay. So, first of all, Jerry, I don't really think it matters whether you have the East play the West or what, what have you. I, I don't think it matters. The game sucks. Uh, the game is played at a lackadaisical level, and it's not good entertainment. And so I don't really think it matters what format you go to. Unless the players decide to play with a little effort, the game's still going to be awful. Grant, do you think Adam Silver realizes that his league is suffering and he's to make changes? No, Adam Silver's sitting in his office. He's looking at the attendance and he's looking at his television ratings, which through two rounds of the playoffs have been very, very good. He thinks everything's fine with his league. Well, you know, Grant, whoever's telling him that, then, you know, they're uh, kissing his ass big time because, you know, that's not true. Jerry, money talks in the world <laughs> of professional sports. And so they're all bean counters, and that's what they determine whether their league is successful or not. Right. That's it. Major League Baseball saw attendance go down and saw their ratings go down, saw their bottom line go down. And they heard from their fans that the game was becoming unwatchable. So what do they do? They changed it. As long as the NBA, okay, has good attendance figures and has their ratings look good in the playoffs, they're going to think that everything is just fine and dandy. You know, Grant, and then you know, a couple more things too, Grant. Um, I'm starting to mean, I'm just uh, like take up too much time here, but you know what? Uh, before the season started for the Major League Baseball season, the Giants brass came out and says that the beers are going to be cheaper. I read something today where the beers are cheaper, yes, but the, also the beers are a lot a, a lot smaller. Um, and, <laughs> and the fans right. fans are pissed off about that, Grant. You know, the parking, you know, the parking right. is 50 bucks to park your car. I mean, seriously. I mean, the Giants 20 and 23, I mean, you know what? <laughs> I understand that they, uh, that they get Aaron Judge. Uh, and and that probably would have boosted more people in the seats, Grant. But the yep, Giants, yep. you know what? You know, I haven't seen that that stadium that empty in a long time, Grant. And I understand. Well, there Grant are a couple too. of reasons for that. There are a couple of reasons for that. Okay. First of all, the team's not very good. Let's right. let's acknowledge that. Uh, number two, people don't want to go to San Francisco anymore. All right, it's a crime-fested dump. Okay, and the reality is, a lot of people aren't. They don't feel safe going to San Francisco right now. And a lot of people would go to a Giants game and go to dinner, hang out at the bars, or, or make a weekend out of it. Then a lot of people would just go into the game, go out of the game. People don't want to go on BART, okay? So, you know, you just talked about the price of parking. Well, you know, you don't want to go on BART because it's just a, 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 an absolute disgrace. So your options are limited. Do you want to spend the money, feel unsafe, Okay, I mean, that's what we're talking about, Jerry, are we not? Right. Grant, you know, my cousin and I went to a Giants game last year with the Giants playing the Padres. We do. We pay 50 bucks for a parking spot where we still have to walk a mile and a half to the freaking stadium. I mean, seriously, that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'll tell you, you know, right now and I'm, I know that with games, there's added law enforcement. So I'm, I'm very well aware of that. So actually, you know, going to and from the game is probably pretty safe because right. they add a lot of extra law enforcement. But, you know, the appeal of walking, you know, a mile to your car, you know, after a game, right now in San Francisco, regardless of where law enforcement is, is not a very comforting feeling. And I hope I'm not painting an incorrect picture, but I was in San Francisco for five days, okay, a little more than a year ago. And when I was there, 
Okay. When I was there, the Louis Vuitton store at Union Square was ransacked. Okay. uh, This was during the week of Thanksgiving. They had the entire store boarded up and three other stores, the same thing happened. Looting went on as if it was no issue. No. And that was really, you know, the beginning of the, the real bad part. I mean, in other words, the city had already been becoming bad and bad. And now it's, again, Jerry, think about this. San Francisco is one of the top tourist destinations in the world, not the country, in the world. You know anybody that's planning a trip to San Francisco right now? And I did a rant on this on my uh, podcast today. The National Football League is going to vote next week to accept the bid to host the Super Bowl 60 in 2026. Okay. Now, I know the game's played in Santa Clara, but the vast majority of people that come in for the game stay in San Francisco. Nobody right now is going to want to go to San Francisco and hang out for a couple of days for the Super Bowl. Now, could things be different between now and then? Yes, but it's going to take a hell of a lot of work because the appeal of going to San Francisco right now, the appeal is not there. There is no appeal to go to San Francisco. Jerry, would you go to your wife right now and say, hey, you know what, honey, you, let's go to San Francisco and you know enjoy the city for a couple of days. You know what she would do? She'd slap you across the face. <laughs> you know, Grant, maybe, uh, maybe not for a couple of days, but maybe go to Fishman's Wharf, Grant. You know, have some clam chowder and a nice cold Budweiser. But, you know, Grant, going back to the Giants, Grant, uh, uh, the game that we went to was a 105 star. So the game ended pro- uh, probably a little bit before four. And there was a lot of police officers on bikes. Okay. So, yeah, yep. there was yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot of law enforcement. They do there. a good job with that. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's what I mean. They make it feel safe for the folks. There is a lot of law enforcement. And so I'm very well aware of that. I, I'm aware of that. Right. But again, listen, San Francisco has turned into a dump. And I'm not, this is not a political you know, right. rant here. It's the reality of the situation. And you know, Grant, uh, going to Frisco uh, 15 years ago, you would buy a ticket, go into the boat, go to Alcatraz. Grant, we were there yep. a few years back, and they have so much stuff blocked off at the Alcatraz Island that, you know, you know, understand the island's getting older, things are deteriorating, this and that, but they charge you the same price from they did probably 15, 16, 17 years ago. And it's just like, you know, you can't even go uh, to the stairs to go down to the prison where the, where the guys were at, at the prison yard. And, you know, because that's blocked off. They, because the stairs are falling apart. I mean, think you know what, Jerry? I, 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 well, it's, well, if the stairs are falling apart, it's a safety issue. I, again, I'm not right. qualified to speak on, right. you know, Alcatraz. I'm, I'm really not. But, but you know, what I am qualified to speak on because I was just there in the last year right. is the uh, the how do I want to say this? The uneasiness of walking down the street in San Francisco. Listen, I grew up outside of New York. Okay. I never once felt unsafe in all my years of being in New York. You know that when I go to New York City now, I do feel unsafe compared to the way I used to feel. So it's not just San Francisco. You know, it's other big cities as well. I mean, downtown Los Angeles is no picnic. Portland, I got to tell you, Portland is absolutely beyond comprehension what has happened to that downtown. Seattle is awful. I mean, I used to love going to Seattle. You know, my wife and I would love going to Seattle. We would never go to Seattle right now. That would be like the last stop on our on our on our wish list. You know, it's just a shame yeah. what the hell's going on. Yeah, but Grant, but once you say that about most cities, Grant, you got your good sides and you got your bad sides. I mean, uh, wouldn't it be like that for every city? No, not really. Not every city is like uh, okay. the cities that I just mentioned. You okay. know, I know in Miami where I live. I mean, I I feel 
are there a couple of blocks you wouldn't want to go down? Yeah. I mean, that's true of every single city, but uh, do I feel, do I ever feel unsafe walking through the streets of Miami? I never do. Absolutely. Do I feel unsafe being at home in New York? Um, I wouldn't say I feel unsafe, but I have my head on a swivel. I'll tell you that. And you know, Grant, you know, that's one of the things that I tell my wife, you know, uh, before I go to heaven, this and that, I would love to go see New York. I mean, you know what? I mean, the city that never sleeps. I mean, I would love to go see it, Grant. Uh, You know, but me, I've only been from Sacramento to uh, Las Vegas. Vegas. So, but I will. On your 45 uh, minute flight that uh, uh, had to land. (laughs) You know, uh, hundred miles outside of Vegas, right? Yeah, uh huh. I got you, Jerry. Oh, Jerry, you know what, Jerry? You need to live a little bit, buddy. You need to live a little bit. Grant, you have a good weekend, sir. All right, see you, buddy. Wow, Jerry, go on JetBlue. The flights—if you book them, you know, a month or so in advance, nonstop, Sacramento, JFK—it's really not that expensive. All right, go go to New York for three or four days and experience it. All right. And if you really want to see New York at its finest, go to New York between Thanksgiving and New Year's. It's spectacular. It is absolutely amazing. I've been blessed to travel around the world. There's really nothing like New York city over the holidays. It's magical. It really is. All right, let's move along and let's get to Mike. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. Yourself? Good, Mike. I just want to say, uh, was that Jerry? He, you got to make it to New York City. That's It's one of a kind. It really is. There's nothing uh, like it in the world. I went to a, the Yankee Stadium, and I was like, they play baseball here? This is where they play baseball? And it's uh, it was amazing. Well, the new Yankee Stadium is unfortunately nothing like the uh, ambiance of the uh, old Yankee Stadium. I, I'm disappointed personally with what they've done with the current Yankee Stadium, but the presence, the uh, the past stadium on 161st Street and River Avenue was, I mean, when you walked in the Yankee Stadium, you knew you were walking into a cathedral. This stadium now is just, to me, all cement and everything with all the bells and whistles. But, you know, that's just me. Do you feel like it's like too commercial or like, I don't know if that's the right it's word. Not, it, it doesn't, it, 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 it's, it's, um, I don't know. I'm, I, I was I'm, at I'm the, sure. I was at the, I was at the old Yankee stadium hundreds of times. And I was at the, even the, the, the old, old Yankee stadium before that, you know, before they remodeled it, uh, when they opened in 1976, when, uh, Chris Chambliss hit that uh, home run against Kansas city, uh, in the ninth to beat the Royals and win the pennant. Uh, but, that was the first year of after the two-year remodel and the Yankee Stadium before that was an old, amazing venue, but yet it had to be changed, but they kept, they kept the the flavor. They kept the, the nuance. They kept the magic. Yeah. I got you. The stadium. Now it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, you still have the, I mean, you still have the awnings, you still have everything at Yankee Stadium, but or the facade, but it's it's just I don't know, it's hard to explain. I hear you, and uh, I'm just used to the you know the Oakland Coliseum that rat hole. So uh, I just thought New York's uh, Yankee Stadium was really nice. But um, no, and listen, if that, you walked in the Yankee Stadium, if you walked in the Yankee Stadium right now, and you yeah. didn't compare it to the old stadium, yeah, of course you would say it's nice. I don't mean to say it's not nice because that would be that that's unfair. It is a beautiful yeah, yeah. stadium. For sure. But it's just, to- yeah, it's just totally different. 
to pivot off that, I was we were talking about LeBron shooting too many threes, and the Lakers finally pull within three in game one, and 48 seconds left, LeBron settles for a three when Murray has five fouls on him. I thought that was – Yeah, there like you go. Why is, he not ta- why is he not going to the basket? Get the and one. Take Murray out the game or, you know, put them in a bad position. I don't get it. Yeah. Some That's of the uh, decision-making going on in this series just makes you – if you're looking at this from a Lakers perspective, you scratch your head. Yep. Thank you, Grant. Have a good one. Thank you very much. You know, listen, I understand that, you know, buildings don't last forever. You know, I get that. You know, I was just reading a story in the New York Post about how Manhattan is sinking due to the weight of the buildings. Uh, by one to two centimeters a year. And I was reading that the change in climate with more hurricanes and more flooding has compromised the foundations of some of the buildings, particularly in lower Manhattan. And so, you know, that's going to be a huge concern, but that's a huge concern. Like you look at Venice, Italy. You know, that city is sinking. So there's, I mean, nothing lasts forever, right? Nothing lasts forever. And when you look at stadiums, you know, Wrigley Field has had some work done to it. We know that. You know, Fenway Park, they've done some changes to it. But both Wrigley Field and Fenway Park have not lost their charisma and the flavor of what makes those venues so iconic. But again, you know, you're going to build a structure, particularly a facility where millions of people go in and out of it every year, right? It's, you know, not going to last forever. Not going to last forever. All right. Don't forget next week, listen app Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursday, we'll have an open forum over on YouTube. If you don't like that, we got Jerry coming up on Wednesday. We got Sean Salisbury on Monday. And uh, a lot more coming down the pipeline. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Enjoy all the games. And we'll talk to you on Monday. Bye-bye.